You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. News team, assemble! Unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Featuring site publishers Carrie Murdoch and Josh McQuistian, along with videographer Eddie Radosevich. It's the Unofficial 40 on Soonerscoop.com. All right, we are back. It is the Unofficial 40 here on Soonerscoop.com podcast uh, with uh, your multiple hosts. I am Carrie Murdoch. I'm joined uh, also by Josh McQuistion. Josh, turn your mute off. Uh, you can talk now. Eddie Radosevich is here. Joe, uh, Bob Prisbillo. Did I just say Joe? Bob Prisbillo? That was <laughs> Joe a blast Bob. in the past. Oh, no. Joe Bob. <laughs> just thinking about you, Joe. Um, anyway, uh, we had an adventurous day yesterday at what is supposed to be the most non-adventurous place on Earth, the Board of Regents meeting. Uh, as a, we talked to Joe Castiglione afterwards, uh, salaries were uh, handed out, raises were handed out, even for Tim Kish and Mike Stoops. I'm sorry. Uh, go ahead and give us all your tears on Twitter. I mean, did people really think they were going to give eight guys <laughs> raises and then say, oh, sorry, F the, you. the message board doesn't want you to have raises, so we're not going to give you one. <laughs> Uh, but no, that was uh, Lincoln Riley. I mean, that that's obviously the the, the bearing the lead. Four point eight million dollars, uh, five years, twenty five million dollar total, uh, and uh, I it was at the top of the range that I thought he might get. We all kind of guessed going in. I think Bob, you said four two five. I said four two, but I also said I could see it going up to four eight, uh, and it did. And and congratulations, Lincoln Riley. You're getting paid more than your starting quarterback now. Finally, about time. Do you? I, there's, about time. It's been what? Not even a month. There's no. I mean, we all think that this was obviously this was has been in the works. I think there was nobody in the state that thought that he wasn't going to get a raise yesterday. But they didn't go in and say, "All right, we originally said we were going to give him four point five. Let's tack on some extra." We can't let Kyler Murray have more money than him. Like that, that didn't. There's no way that crossed their mind. No, right? no, it was just like last year. Uh, I brought this up. I said this over and over. It was like everybody. I think even even people in the media. Uh, I think it was Bill Haston was like, "Well, they have to pay him more than Mike Gundy, don't they?" It's like, no, they don't. They don't have to pay a first year coach that hasn't coached before more than Mike Gundy just because he's at OSU. They're not reactionary like that. They're not. They're not going around. You know, Bob knows this. I mean, they're not going around trying to make statements. Joe is just setting his budget, uh, paying coaches what he feels like he needs to pay them. Yeah, and now more in in line with some of those top tier uh, coaches. I we just looked at the 2017. If you do 4.8 million, put you at number 11. 
Yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah. And I mean, well, I tell you what, let's go ahead, uh, Josh, I'm sorry we haven't let you talk yet. Uh, let's go ahead and hear from uh, Joe Castiglione uh, about the process of coming up with $4.8 million. It's a little bit long, uh, but, you know, that's Josie. He's an administrator. He's going to talk administrator-ish uh, just about the process of coming up with a $4.8 million salary. And i got to turn shit on again. So, yeah, turn stuff off and turn stuff on. Here we go. Joe, after the season, how much of it goes through your mind of what do we do for Lincoln to make sure that he's happy in the long run, that this doesn't become a thing where people think they can come in and swoop in and take him away? Well, again, I just use the word proactive. It's something we've um, embraced as part of our approach in, you know, in our business here at the University of Oklahoma. Uh, sometimes you know, we're talking about it much earlier than anybody else. Um, it's a lot of times, you know, people talk about it in a uh, um, you know, reactive way or maybe postseason. Things might take some time to work through, to negotiate, to um, reach agreement. You know, I'm saying this generally about any of these cases, but, um, you know, over time, you know, we, we recognize we're a program wants to be where it needs to be the importance of continuity with all of our staff and um, most notably our head coaches and uh, try to do as much as we can to be as competitive as we can with the marketplace that doesn't necessarily mean uh, reaching the very top of the marketplace in each and every case um, that's that's not you know always possible that we're doing the best we can at the University of Oklahoma. And I've said many times, uh, you can go back and check this, but uh, I think those, uh, those of us who are part of the University of Oklahoma realize it's much more than just the compensation. Understandably, we know the business that we're in and uh, what takes place you know, around the country, but you know, we also have to do what's right to give our programs the necessary resources so they can compete at the highest level and that can come in the form of a lot of things you know the way that teams travel to state-of-the-art facilities and what we do to support them financially uh, are dollars that we have to generate on our own to your question clay um, you know that that is something that they uh, very proud of that we're one of the few remaining programs in the United States that can truly claim is self-sustaining, which by definition is not receiving any dollars from state appropriations. So in spite of us saying this all the time, there's still people that think their tax dollars go to support athletics, and they do not. Uh, we don't receive any subsidies from the institution, any financial subsidies, nor do the students at the University of Oklahoma pay fees toward athletics. And uh, in return, you know, we're also doing something to try to help the other side of the campus. So, you know, it's a, uh, you know, it's an ongoing part of our strategy to go out and generate new resources, new streams of revenue when we can and where we can, and also uh, manage those properly. We have a huge um, uh, source of support that comes from our fans, whether it's through buying tickets or doing something above and beyond, like making annual contributions to our program. And, uh, you know, we want them to be proud of the way that we 
actually take care of the funds that they convey to us and invest them wisely. And the best thing that we can show is having the right kind of progress and most importantly, the right level of success for our program. Now, through all that talk, and there's a couple of things, uh, and I mean, this is on the heels of a Board of Regents meeting that was probably unlike anything that we'd ever seen, just because, and I'll let Bob, you and Eddie talk about this, uh, what they do is they, like OU, the Board of Regents, they control Roger State University, Cameron University, all the health sciences centers, Tulsa and Oklahoma City, and then the Norman campus. So what they do is like the Roger State president comes up and he's like, uh, this is what we're asking for. We feel it's reasonable. This is not you know anything abnormal from year to year. The Cameron you know University guy comes up and says, same thing here. We've got some land we want to buy too. We feel it's necessary because it's blah, blah, blah. And then they, they, they go through their agenda items and they approve. I've never seen them nay anything. Like, uh, I don't think anything all those in favor that, yeah. say uh, aye, and they say aye. All opposed, no or nay. And I've never heard one nay, I don't think, ever at a Board of Regents meeting. Uh, so everything gets approved. But then, so James Gallagly, the, the, uh, the president-designate, I guess is his official title, uh, he presides over the Norman campus and the OUHSC stuff. And so he kind of gives his first uh, State of the Union to the Regents, which, guys, what were your thoughts on what James Gallagher did you expect the hellfire and brimstone that came out of James Gallagher? It was one of those moments that it was like not really listening, not really listening, and then he drops. I'm I'm trying to get the line because it he called it unacceptable the current fiscal situation, and I kind of looked up, was like, oh, he's going after people. this guy. This guy means business. <laughs> and we're now basically best friends because we sat next to each other. And then you walked did sit out right next to each other. So uh, I just wanted to say hi again to James and President Gallagher. Eddie, it's good to see you. We're basically best friends now. Well, if if there were pictures taken, you're sitting next to him, sitting right next, to and him. you're walking out with him. I mean, we're basically yes. very very close now. He invited me up to his uh, Canadian lake home, and I expect to go up there in did August. Did you say have you heard of Natty's for Patty? Uh, no, but he knew. I mean, he saw that I was on Sooner Scoop. He he's probably a subscriber. We don't know yet. <laughs> it was it was really funny though. But it re- okay. So here's in layman terms, he shit on everything that Bourne has done for twenty the last twenty years, he just as far as building campus buildings that don't need to be built. He basically called Boren a spoiled child. Yeah, that, more or that less. Was spending money faster than he could bring it in. He said he basically said what a lot of people have wanted to say. For the last 15 years, I thought. I don't know a lot of people. I mean, some people, I think a lot of people are proud when they drive through campus and they see oh, it's construction. A, it's a beautiful they, campus. It's, you know, it's very proud to be, a, you know, I mean, a, obviously a, a everyone that goes to, you know, that goes to the J school now is very yeah. proud to right. say that that houses the, you know, the Gaylord Hall houses yeah. the journalism. It's a beautiful facility. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. And all the buildings on campus are unbelievable now. Uh, whether it be the engineering building or I mean, when I went there, I know. think it was the it was a it was a parking lot. It wasn't Goddard. That's a health center. It was a parking lot. It yeah. was a parking lot. Mm-hmm. Where at? Where where Gaylord where, Hall is oh, now? Yeah. Where Gaylord is now? Yeah. It was the only parking lot in that part of campus. Yes. So like, if you had classes at Dell Hall, you wanted us. You would get there like an hour and a half early to find a parking. I don't space. even remember that place. Uh, 
Like I don't remember. God, what was the name? What of the that was lot? what that parking lot even looked like it was just one store it wasn't like a yeah, garage either it was just a right pavement yeah, yeah. everybody tailgated there. like that was a big tailgating tailgating area. like oh, you I'm paid sure. a lot of money i bet you had to, you had to be a pretty big donor to get a, t- a ticket or a parking pass there because my buddy's family was there and we partied journalism stuff was copeland yeah you could still park on the uh, practice field no, well. Stoops got rid Back of in that. that stuff. Oh, that was so. That was even like in ninety nine, two thousand. That that was there. Yeah, I wonder how old that building is then, Gaylord. Oh, I I opened it. Did t- you two thousand five? Okay, or two thousand two thousand four, two thousand five school year. My junior year was the first year that was used. God, you guys are babies. It's crazy. Um, so I mean, I mean, not not babies like you're petulant. I just mean you're young. So I'll take that. So. Gallagher, yeah, basically says the last 10 years that OU has been financially irresponsible. I think he actually used that term, maybe. I, it, it, the thing is, when you play it back in your head for, for a Board of Regents meeting, basically you come up with all these adjectives that you think he said that he didn't really say because you, it was so, like, horrifying. It was like... And at the same time, I was like, I was so glad that David Bourne wasn't there for like some final send off because it would have been the most awkward thing in the world. But since he wasn't there, and I mean, like you said, he was sitting next to you. He looks like an accountant. I mean, he's a very unassuming looking guy. Yeah. And he gets up there and basically says, This place is screwed up for the last 10 years. They're a billion dollars in debt, and I'm going to do everything in my power to fix it. It was his airing of grievances. <laughs> it was. It was. He just needed the. Uh the poll. And so then when Joe is saying all that stuff, I'm thinking like even Joe got up to give his he he stood up <laughs> to talk about the softball, softball facility. And by the way, I need 22 million dollars. Yes, he was like he was like, "Yeah, uh, we got the softball facility, 22 million dollars. Uh that we're looking to build. It's just the planning stage. It's no we're not building it yet. Like we'll meet with you at a later date to talk about it." Uh but it really was like I would I I'm not going to say that Joe was nervous or that he was uh, shaking it all, but you can tell on the heels of a guy sitting there basically calling out Boren and calling out his residence halls, by the way, specifically, and the fact that no one was set, that they weren't at capacity. I mean, that was like, I don't, it's kind of one of those things that's like the guy is a, he is a, a savage, but he's doing it in the nicest possible way. I mean, he just business came man. in there with a flamethrower. He's a businessman that has experience being an executive. I was saying basically. that this morning, like, I wish that there was like a page six, like the New York Post uh, in Oklahoma, and like they would have had like a Gallagher Boren oh, face off. Yeah, face off with they would have made kind of ridiculous so many headlines. They would have had like Boren is like in a diaper, you know, crying, wanting oh, a toy you know they or something. Done. They would have put Gallagher's face. On that horse that is facing the president's house with the red eyes, but they would have superimposed <laughs> Gallagher's face on the horse with the red eyes. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Uh, the new residence halls; those are cash negative. Cash negative. I don't think you ever want to be and that's responsible the university for something that is cash negative. Halls, yeah, I mean, it it's expensive it, to live there. It was a waste of money. They've also caused Lincoln Riley to not be able to use his practice fields during the season. Yeah. Because he won't practice over there because of those residence halls. Yeah, because people can look into practice. If you want to, you can get in there and see whatever they're doing. Invite us. Invite Sooner Scoop to come we'll, stay. We'll go kick everyone's ass. 
that comes in there. And, Bunch of and nerds tries to anyways watch. that are living in there. I think it's mostly families and stuff. Oh, is it? Foreign students, things. I think that's what it was built for. People that wanted a premium living experience that were not from here. Weak soccer fans is what you're telling me. <laughs> Sorry, Josh. Hey, Josh. Hi, Josh. How you doing? Can I? I can come out of the closet now. Like, or yes. do I have to just? We had our opening. Longer? I don't know. James it depends Gallagher. what you want to tell us when you come out of the closet. Well, let's not, not forget that, that Josh is sitting here that. watching some World Cup, so you guys can just chew on that. I did see uh, Ronaldo's header to start the uh, Colombia. Uh, who do they Morocco match this morning? To my shame, I have not watched a single game of this tournament from beginning to end and Portugal Mexico and, and Germany Spain sounds like one of the great games of recent memory so you didn't watch Mexico Germany no I didn't watch Mexico Germany part of it part of it is the US not being in it just kills me a little bit but it's also I it's just been crazy with Laney being sick and all the other stuff going on lately it just it's been a weird time like I feel like I haven't had any time to just sit down so uh that is a dad of where Two do, children by the way, three years old. Right where there. do you stand uh, on the Landon Donovan controversy? I am fine. I, I never want to, like, I feel like that is an old man thing. Like, you must hate your opponent. No, just go beat them. Like, I don't care. Like, and Landon had a great record against Mexico. Like, there, there's no reason to come down on him. And I get, you know, I get. Plus, he's getting paid, bitches. You think he's really making that much money in advertisements on the side? He's laying a dime. For God's sake, he's not Ronaldo. Yeah. The, the, I mean, we're not. I, I'm pretty sure Donovan McNabb makes more in advertisements than Landon Donovan. And that, that guy, you know, was maybe the fifth best quarterback of his generation. So, you know, the, Landon Donovan's going to do whatever. But it, 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 I just, I, like I said, it's one of those old man things. Like, I'm reading a book right now where the dad's like getting on to his son about helping him up. You know, a kid fell down and he helped him up off the basketball court and I'd have kicked his ass. Like, just calm down. Like, it's not that big a deal. Well, sportsmanship is a little overrated. Eddie was actually one of those parents involved in that softball tournament. Uh, How wild was that? That was unbelievable. (laughs) That's amazing. I have, I was on, I've been on a baseball field when not something like that similar happened, but. I was playing. I remember growing up Little League, and one of the opposing coaches attacked the home plate umpire. Wow. Out at PCO. Yeah, because you did a lot of umping. I was playing. I was, like, Little League playing. Wow. It was insane. Eddie, I told you that story of T-ball umping out and more when I was in high school, and, like, there was a whole dispute between mom and dad over custody. Like, something had happened. I don't. I still don't know the whole story, but something happened. Like, a gun got pulled. Like, it was a whole thing. Like, there was an undercover police officer it was a scary friggin' deal to be the home plate umpire for a bunch of five-year-old kids. Okay, I want to get Deep back in. to uh, the four point eight million and the initial comments from uh, from from Joe Castiglione, because guys, this is where I think Lincoln Riley is so much different. I'd love for you to weigh in on this, Josh. So much different than Bob Stoops in that I see the NFL being the biggest worry for Joe Castiglione with Lincoln Riley. I don't think there's any question. I mean, you, you know, you look at it. I mean, because and I don't know that. And what I'm saying is, I don't know. If there's any. Uh, I don't know what it matters at all what you're paying him because you're not going to overpay someone who you know. I'm not saying clearly, but and we don't know. We have to learn more about Lincoln Riley and what he thinks. But 
I could see, I mean, because we don't know, I could see it being a situation where, oh, you know, I've done this in college. I mean, he goes out and wins a national championship or two, you know, in the next five years. What's to say that he doesn't think, well, I want to see if I can do this in the NFL because all these guys in the NFL want to know my system and what I'm doing. Exactly. I mean, because there's been cl- such a clear clamoring for the NFL to kind of pick his brain offensively and see, you know, that respects the thing they, things they saw him do last year. That I, I think there, there has to be some eye of, well, all these guys who are at the top of the game, they want to know what I'm thinking about, so maybe I should be there. You know, so I think that's – and I also think, Kerry, from the other side of it, when Bob came into Norman – there was a perception that, oh, yeah, Oklahoma's, you know, used to be a great program. I don't know if they ever can be. And I don't know if they ever fully overcame that, I guess, until it became clear that Bob wasn't going to leave. Yeah. But with Lincoln, what, what, could, what job could Lincoln take where he can accomplish what he can accomplish at Oklahoma? Well, I think the more you've talked to Bob, that's what he realized, too. Like, uh, you know, Ohio State was there early. Florida was there early. And then he won his national championship, and I just think he felt like the more they kept, you know, back then they were building him the indoor, they were updating, you know, the locker room as much as they can. They did the whole west or the east side after they won the national championship. Like he really felt like they were doing everything they could do, and that he was in a place where, you know, that they could win at the at any, you know, he couldn't go anywhere else and be in a better situation than he was in Oklahoma. I think it also, you know, I was talking to somebody yesterday that he's an assistant in the college ranks, and uh, he was just telling me how much respect people outside the country or, you know, outside the state have for the athletic program, and predominantly talking about Joe C and how things are taken care of around here, and, you know, not just football. It's it's all the other sports. So I, I, I just think that sometimes we, and especially the fans, get so wrapped up in the idea that, you know, they want to bitch about Tim Kish and Mike Stoops when really in reality, when you can take a step back, you don't know how good you have it in a way. Does that make sense? You know, and the thing with Riley, he says all the right things in a, in a uh, public setting about how he couldn't think of a better job or there's no reason for him to leave, how he loves it in Norman. But you're right. Is that what we don't know enough about Lincoln at this point is what's going on behind closed doors? How tight were these negotiations? Were there any issues? What What is his mindset? Is he looking to really leave compared to what he's saying? And that's something we'll just have to find out here in the next couple of years as we try to get to know him better. I think the landscape of the NFL has changed too. I mean, look at Sean McVay and what yeah. he's done in L.A. Yeah. And it's hard to think that that's not the next, that's not like a starter kit of what, teams want when looking at a Lincoln Riley it's a little different with all of his NFL experience obviously but you know I I I do think the good thing for Oklahoma in the long long scheme of things is Riley he's and he's talked about it multiple times publicly is just how much he enjoys the the push of this age if that makes sense with Mm -hmm. like recruiting and, and trying to recruit these guys to build a program rather than show up every day, and it seems like almost just kind of a grind that you go through in the NFL. Yeah, and I think I think even though Bob enjoyed the recruiting part of it more than he let on, he didn't like where it was going. Like, he didn't, oh, he didn't yeah, like changed. You know, the, the, the social media aspect of it. He probably wouldn't have liked 
uh, you know, the, the FaceTime calls, the spring visits, the FaceTime stuff like Lincoln is he's more at ease with that kind of stuff. Hell, just the the uh, summer camps and stuff, the satellite camps, I'd have to imagine. I don't I don't I mean, I would think that coaches hate that kind of shit having to go to Mesquite or wherever. You and, know, I'd asked I'd asked him in Tulsa about, you know, would he rather see. You know, something more like a national or like a power five combine. Like, I think, hell, you could work with rivals. You could work with Nike. I mean, uh, student sports who's dicking us over, whoever you want to work with. Um, you could come up with a deal where the shoe companies had a national combine or you had a national regional combines. Like, uh, maybe the Big Ten could do their own combine. And they're part of the country. The SEC could do one. The Big 12 could do one. The Pac-12 could do one. And then all the coaches could just descend on one place. Uh, I mean, hell, that's a, just eliminate summer camps. It'd be like 25 two-stars at the Big 12 one. <laughs> no, there wouldn't because there'd be <laughs> Texas kids there. No, that's true. But then you'd probably get into, you know, is Spencer Rattler going to go to the Big 12 camp or the Pac-12 camp? Oh, yeah. It'd be a big deal. It would be, for sure. Because, I mean, oh, he's spending time with those Pac-12 coaches. He's not 100%. I, no, you you know, I don't know. It's, it's a, but Lincoln said, well, you know, that, that he said, I think that's that's something to think about. But then you get into a situation where you have 10,000 kids at a combine. But I don't, I mean, I don't know. Because you're going to, Iowa State, it's just like the publishers. When we were getting ready to go to Atlanta, like, Iowa State has no reason to be at the five-star challenge. There's no kids there that they're going to sign. I mean, maybe. I mean, it happens every once in a while. I think, uh, um, what's his name? Lazard. Uh, what? Alan Lazard. Yeah, I was thinking of, uh, what's the offensive tackle at Oklahoma from South Dakota or whatever, his little brother? Far oh, Farnia. Farnia. He was at a five-star. He was at the, I think, one of the Baltimore five-stars. Where did he end up? Did he Nebraska? Nebraska? Right? Nebraska? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep. So I I don't know. I mean I think there's some things because going to nine different satellite camps that's not good for anybody. Unless you split it up, you know, so not everyone's at every you know every single camp. So you have some down some downtime and then. To California, okay, that's the camp where you've got to be the guy. But then St. Louis. You don't have to care. Yeah, I mean, the satellite camps have turned into basically a reason that they can get kids in to come try out. Yeah, more or less. And there's no reason, like I don't want to get too far into this, but there's no reason coaches couldn't work with, you know, rivals analysts and say, "Hey, we want to see this kid. You know, this kid. We yeah. you know make a list." So I don't know. It's it's something to to talk about. Anyway, I, here's the real thing that came out of yesterday. Not Lincoln Riley's contract. Uh, not uh, not James Gallagher going after David Boren. It was, and I'll give uh, Tyler Paul Mateer the uh, cred here because he asked the question, the uh, new sports editor at the Norman Transcript, about something that a lot of fans are always curious about. That is beer sales. Joe, alcohol sales at Oklahoma athletic events. Yes, no, maybe, and why? Outside of. <laughs> I have to sit down for this one. Yeah, that's a uh, short answer. Um, 
you know, outside of the premium areas, we don't have any plans to uh, offer alcohol at this time. I certainly recognize what's being discussed, planned, if not executed on campuses, even in the Big 12, even in our own state. So um, I'm tracking all of that, but at, at this moment, don't have any more of an answer than that. So Texas going to beer. Oklahoma State has done beer at basketball and baseball, baseball right? I or think just it was baseball? Just, I think it was just baseball. Okay. Um, but you got to think, I didn't ever hear of any incidents. No. At, at OSU baseball. I don't think there were. I got to think it's moving towards football. I mean, Mike Holder, he likes money. He needs money. Beer I'm, sales to me. He doesn't have any recruiting, good recruiting advice, so he must need some... No, he's money. got recruiting advice. It's uh, getting yeah, better. Yeah, he has plenty of it. It's yeah, getting better. True. What an idiot. Really? I kind of didn't have a problem with what he said. Me neither. I think he's very, very arrogant. We can talk about it later, but I there's no we chance... We talked about in, this last week. Did we talk about this? Yeah. There's a no little. chance in hell he would have said anything had OSU not won the national championship in golf. This was a a parade, a grandstand for him. This is a glad For fest. himself, a glad fest, so he could go and shove his nose up to people and show what how good his program is. That's battle of egos. Yeah, I, I 100%. I think there could be some merit to that. I I don't know why everybody uh, and But he's right. He's right at what Exactly. He said. Like that's in that the bottom line. He's not wrong. He's right. I just and I get that it didn't help his athletic program, but I'm not going to fault the guy for being being truthful. And I think I said this last week, but there's no reason that OSU couldn't have picked up where Baylor left off. I mean, oh, it's, yep. it's inexcusable. I'm not for saying it, 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 from a rape Baylor. and a cheating standpoint. I'm just saying, you know, there was a hole left in Texas with Texas being down that OSU and look, their recruiting is good. I mean, they've never been terrible. Even when TCU sucked and was getting like the 67th team in the country, Oklahoma State was still 30, you know, top 40 teams. There's no reason why Oklahoma State, as good as they've been the last you know few seasons, I really it's more than a few now. They should never be finishing below Baylor, especially what Baylor's gone through in any type of I think Iowa State's ranking. ranked higher than they are right now. It's not good. So, I mean, what's wrong with Holder saying it then? Do you think Joe C would ever be outside saying that in front of anybody publicly? Oh, no. He would uh, but, never throw his coach under the bus like but that. But Joe C also gives three-minute clips that basically say nothing. Yeah, it's true. He wouldn't, he wouldn't allow his program to get into that spot. I thought about jokingly asking if he what he thought about Lincoln Riley's recruiting yesterday. Well, that would have been gold. He might have opened up about something. He was in a pretty good mood. I don't know. We were 40 minutes in, and I just thought. My arm was physically shaking, getting tired. You're not, out of you're out, out of, of camp shape. Yeah. We got to get you to boot camp. I know. Especially I was the same week. way. I had to switch arms. So, but the beer thing, here's what I wanted to say about that is – for some reason, people want to turn this into like a class war thing. And we all know, we've heard the rumors about Molly Shy boring, you know, seeing some drunk people in the suites. And then, remember, they initially didn't allow beer sales in the suites. But they eventually recanted and came back and allowed it. And the rumor was always that Molly Shy Boren saw some boorish behavior in the suites that she didn't care for. So she told David... There would be no beer sales. But now it's turning this like, oh, you people in your ivory tower want to tell us we can't drink beer. 
Look, there are no pores going to OU football game on the on the reg. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you're that's paying a hundred bucks plus a ticket. Yeah. I mean, this isn't this isn't people. This isn't general admission. This, there's no there's no people at the bottom of the ship. You know, there's nobody wearing suspenders and 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 uh, uh, you know twill pants walking around. You know, with flies flying around them coming to these games i mean this is not a class war don't make this into a class war thing it will be interesting i i say give it more than a year and a half two years i, I and i, I think be, ou is more than happy to to be the ones that slowly you know take it more slowly than everyone else i would be very surprised if we're sitting here and Four years, and they're not selling beer at sporting events. No way that happens. No way. The what? They're just not going to give away that money. They're, they're going to eventually cash in. Yeah. That's yeah. Oh, okay. I, I thought I'm you were saying there's no, no way. That, I thought you, yeah. I thought you were saying I, there's I no way that they're. Oh yeah, yeah. No, no. I'm sorry. No, no. I, I'm with you completely. I think that's a. It, it, you. It's just following the money, and like you said, I mean. And I mean, you cut people off after the third quarter, and it's fine. Yeah. yeah. There's, I've never, been, I have never seen an incident in a Thunder game that was alcohol related. There's been studies done. In fact, I think this is one of the reasons why they serve beer in Morgantown is because they want to cut down on the binge drinking before the games, before the during the tailgate. See, that was just commissioned by alcoholics, though. You think? That study. I think in four years Absolutely. you're going to be able to stop through, pick up your weed gummies at your medical marijuana <laughs> shop. And then head up to your seat on the east side of but if that the bill stadium. Passes anybody can can give you a prescription for weed. Basically, that commercial is one of the best commercials I've ever seen. But yeah, the whole thing about student college students can grow seven you pounds of 18, marijuana. You want your eighteen year old to grow twelve pounds of marijuana? <laughs> yes. Like, I mean, I guess that sounds like a lot of botany. <laughs> that sounds like a lot more trouble than it's worth. Yeah. Those, that commercial's great. But I, well, especially once it's that available. I mean, they're not even going to make enough to pay for their books. So, yeah, you know, whatever. That's true. Well, Gallagher, I mean, he's going to be tightening the belt. So, <laughs> Shit, the way he's talking he's about making money on campus, yeah. he's going to be in the concession stand. Yeah, right? you got to exactly. figure out a way. He's Canadian, right? I've said that twice now. I, I he's, make Col- sure. he's from Colorado. I thought he's Canadian. No. I'm pretty sure he is. His family has a bunch of buildings in on Colorado's campus. Eddie, Eddie, are you a geography guy, or is everything north of Kansas just Canada? Well, I mean, he's from St. John's, Newfoundland, Canada. So, oh, suck it. I think it's Newfoundland. Oh, 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 oh. well, we're. I'll, go, I'll We'll see when I go up to his lake house. <laughs> oh, I can't decide what's better, Eddie, nailing that or the fact that he really didn't nail Newfoundland. <laughs> New Newfoundland, Newfoundland. <laughs> Just keep trying. Look how it's spelled and tell me. I uh, know, but it's Canadian. It's it's Canada. It's Canada. It's over they, there by Greenland. They they say and spell things differently. Wait a second. Is his? Is he got a hot daughter? No, uh, I don't know. His his birthday is the day of the first OU football game, Florida Atlantic. Speaking of you know, speaking of money, uh, here's a question that we get a lot. I'm sure you guys get it a lot. When they gonna do the West Side? When they gonna finish it? I'm in trouble for that one. Because unlike the class war thing, 
people that aren't hayseeds want to know the answer to that question too. So this is a did, little bit of. Did a class anyone notice that we've affected Bob to the point that he now does a hayseed whenever he, he just did a hayseed? Oh, oh, I always do a hayseed. Don't worry about that. <laughs> That's more Billy Bob Thornton. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, just for the record, I wanted to get it out there that because I feel like I don't need to say it, but people keep asking like. No chance the West Side is going up anytime soon. Uh, so I and I think it caused a big panic with people because when they announced the South End Zone, they called all those people in the upper deck and the West Side. And they're like, you know, those tickets are going away. Um, we'd like to get you, you know, more permanent seating solution in the South End Zone. I think Eddie, your parents did did do that, didn't they? Do what? Move from the West Side to the End Zone? No, they were in the South End Zone, and they didn't. okay. So they just moved out of the south end. Zone. Oh, okay. But I remember them going through a ticket process or whatever. Yeah, they they because they were in like the section that I guess was redone or where the suites went. The club. They had the option. Something. They're like, nah. Okay, but yeah, they were they were calling people. They ain't that rich. Uh, on the west side, they're they're the p- people that are getting screwed out of having beer. Um, they work around it. <laughs> I, just, I think most people do. That's the other thing. It's like. If you want, if you want to get drinks inside the stadium, you can get drinks yes. inside the stadium. That's been going on forever. It's part um, of the college experience, exactly. So, I just asked Joe about the West Side and how things were going, just to get this on on record uh, for all you that are asking and will continue to ask. Needing the economy to rebound before you can even start looking at the West Side right now. Yes, the economy is showing some very progressive signs, and that's a good thing. But. Uh, We'll have to let let that uh, um, strengthen itself over another period of time before we can introduce that that part of the project because that's a that's significant and um, and you know everything we've done around the the um, the south end zone facility has been um, a, a huge success and. Uh, we have you know donors that have stepped up and helped make that possible. So um, we'll uh, we'll make the decision on the on the west side going forward. Um, we we do, however, continue to make some small improvements. You know, in the stadium that were um, part of the second phase, and uh, most notable one that you've already seen is the uh, construction of the uh, new video board at the north end. So. We'll pick and choose some of the manageable elements of the second phase and maybe do them as uh, funds become available. But um, the big part of that project, while certainly something that's um, right, right, you know, front and center on our radar screen, won't be addressed until the economy gets stronger. Sure, I mean, that's we got to go back to the people who are part of the economy. Let's face yeah. it, you know, <laughs> they can tell you that too. Uh, and one of the things that he didn't mention, I had failed in asking him about it yesterday, was, you know, last year at this time they had uh, they had uh, okayed a master plan to be put together for that northeast corner at Link at, at Jenkins and uh, Lindsay, which will become like the where the butt is, like that eventually will all be torn down, and they'll build kind of a multi-purpose. Uh, uh, you know, student center that will you know house tutoring. Uh, they'll it'll 
allow for you know a Letterman area on game days to congregate instead of having to be in tents and things like that. So that I mean I could even see that being finished and finalized before the West End is put. I mean I I don't know when we'll see the West End uh, finished or or changed or started. It's it's going to take somebody to come up with a major major gift to get the ball rolling there. And it's one of those things too that. I don't think it's a quick fix. Like you can't just renovate a press box like that. They're gonna have to. We were looking at it the other day when we were out there. At it's the gonna have to camp. be like almost. I don't know how how they would do it. If you take it, take the top. People off have almost, advanced degrees for these things. Yeah, like I mean, there is there is some serious engineering explosiveness and stuff that needs yeah. to happen out there. I mean, eventually they're gonna. They would just have to take off the top. Probably take off the top deck and then redo it from there. I think they just gonna have to almost blast out that entire side, except it, for the lower bowl. You can't, uh, you can't tear down the parking garage. No, I, I have no idea what they're. How they're or maybe do it. it's cheaper to tear down the parking garage and they figure Hell, it out. It might that be way. because he made the way he made it seem. That's a a major phase. Like, that's not even a Well, phase. yeah, I mean, it was like... That's what, its own major project. It was like $390 million or something, the original plan, and they've already stripped back, you know, on the north end zone. Now they're putting the scoreboard in there. But, I mean, that west end zone, uh, the south end zone was like $165 million, so there's literally over $200 million. It'll cost them over $200 million. $230 million or so. Maybe two, maybe a quarter of a billion dollars it'll cost to revamp that west side by the time they get to it. And that will be money straight from donations. They won't yeah, be Jim Gallagher ain't giving them shit for that. You ain't getting money from the university to redo that. So it will be uh I don't know, it'd be interesting. I I would imagine that uh you know, you win a national championship, I I bet that mat that yeah. money magically appears. Yeah. It's kind of the the way that things work in college athletics. It's the little distracted. OU football tweeted out this 5-minute video of like behind the scenes of giving Mild Tease his scholarship. Hmm. I saw Zach Heffley's been working on that. He was teasing it, I think, on Instagram or something. They needed Looked something like to a, happen. Like a documentary yeah, I mean, type thing almost. I keep, I keep, th- there's like this little clock in my head that goes off like, hmm, what is OU doing to kind of keep people's attention on social media? And it's been kind of a lull. So it's, it's probably pretty calculated that, you know, they would give out the scholarship now and make a whole video and stuff. Get guys back on campus. I think it's probably easier. Everybody's kind of taking that. I think we're on the back hit, back end of that downtime of summer where it's like there's really nothing going on. Now the guys are back working out with Benny Wiley and everything. Yeah. It would be that, that final hump before July. And then well, I feel like I kind of feel like once we get to Dallas for Big 12 Media Days... It starts that's, again? Yeah, that's basically the start of and the I season. And I bet Lincoln Riley loves that because then football's you know front and center. Everybody's talking about it. The only reason your your team can be in the news right now is if you have an arrest on campus, I feel like. I believe the dead period will start after this weekend, too. So no more spring visits. Yeah, because we're coming up on that, aren't we? Yeah, I've been checking the... Uh, the uh, desk blotter. A lot of 38-year-old crackheads in Norman these days. Yeah, I could see that. People are going to like this, and they might not even like this at the football program, but I've always maintained you need a couple of rests in the season just to get everybody's mind right going into the year. Yeah. Nothing big. Or maybe some good scares like I'm what happened to Jordan Thomas. Big. 
Like you punch a bouncer. Yeah, you need you need some guys dropped. mixing it up because then you, then I'm gonna have to start wondering going into the bit, beginning of the season if maybe this team's a little too soft. It would really help Cole Mashburn get a scholarship too, probably. Get somebody off. Uh, <laughs> get get somebody off. <laughs> there you go. Stay, uh, stay out of Picklemans. Greg, if you're listening, frame some football players. Get that boy a scholarship. <laughs> That's the key. Josh, do you like my plan? I think it's almost foolproof because, I mean, it works two ways. Not only does he win some favor, but possibly gets a couple guys kicked off and they're suddenly smoking scholarships. Get with the uh, all units, APB, send it out. Putting this, putting this bitch on lockdown. You see anybody spit on the street? Take it. Check for weed. All right, uh, everybody's gonna hate us by the time this podcast is over. Now <laughs> we've we've advocated for uh, player arrest. the university <laughs> to basically stop giving money to everybody and players getting arrested. Hey, you know who uh, had? A, I th- I think he has a job, although I don't know what he does at it. He plays a lot of golf. Bob Stoops, and he gets paid three hundred twenty-five thousand dollars a year for it. You talk about you know giving Mike thirty grand. I wonder if, what Galgley thinks about Bob's job. Uh, I mean, it, he's making money probably, for the university, so can't they'd be that, probably just say, "Hey, Sherry Cole's over there. She's the one really." If they money. really wanted, yeah, if they really wanted money, they'd ask Sherry to give half of her contract back. She did not get a raise, by the way. Yeah. Sherry and Lon both did not get raises. Well, it's well deserved. Uh, but is, is OU just bound to Sherry Cole? Like it's just too much money for them to fire her. Well, not with Boren here anymore. That's my contention. What if Gallagher was just a huge women's basketball fan? <laughs> That's the only thing he cared about. She's an about. icon of the sport. We can't let her go. Uh, but Bob Stoops, uh, you know, had that job for the last year, and I was kind of curious, like gonna keep doing that job because it seems pretty easy are Does you and bob executing that option year option year on his uh, deal is he gonna stay around um in his role he had uh yeah we're talking about that right okay. now yeah but I, I expect him to you know still be involved in in the public relations and um uh, development efforts that that and he's he's been great he's been really great uh and so i expect him to be around around campus I would say it also is good leverage for Bob to have that job because if ESPN comes along, he's like, he can be like, hey, you can make me leave my $325,000 a year job. You better pay me. It means he's not getting too good at golf because boosters would want to stop going out and get their ass whooped by him if he was. So it means he must just be middling out. Is that your theory? That's my theory, yeah. <laughs> Do you think – I would think they would be excited just to play with Bob. Oh, they yeah. They wouldn't even – I'm much I, I more with Josh. More. Yes. Absolutely. I don't know. You don't want to go out there and get sandbagged and end up losing money after you write a check to somebody. <laughs> I doubt Bob so, is allowed uh, to to bet them. Per you know, mm, not, know, they're not playing skins out I there. I don't know very many people that play golf that don't gamble. So it's not. It's I not bet these aren't your your What's garden variety. Point? You know, oak treeers though. That's true. So yeah, Bob. I thought they were all pretty garden variety. I just mean they they're people that really want to play golf with Bob are probably not everyday golfers. Yeah, you mean like Oh, no. I Bob not going out there and playing with people that suck. <laughs> There's no way. 
we're talking about a guy that during his yearly media tournament or, you know, donor tournament, everybody else plays a scramble. Bob would never play a scramble. He's playing his own ball. That's true. He's not playing out there with people that suck. Okay, I want to talk about assistance before we move on and talk about some of the softball stuff. Um, but Bill Beatonbow, highest raise on the staff, 90000 uh, That bumps him up to six hundred twenty-five k a year. Uh, he also gets a two-year deal, two-year contract. So he's till 2020. Uh, that's the most. Well, Kel Gundy, $70,000 raise. And you got to think maybe some of that was the leverage he got from uh, his boy Kevin Sumlin, kind of throwing his name out there when he took the Arizona job. Tell you what, they—I mean, I know it's a lot of money to you know almost everybody that's listening out there, but they got a pretty good deal. I mean, Bill Beatum is still very underpaid. And that's two hundred thousand yeah. in two years, but still very. What's Texas paying? Underpaid. What's his name? Hand Herb Hand or whatever. Herb Hand. I can find like out. Eight hundred K or something. Probably somewhere around there, yeah. I mean, they're paying what's his name almost two million. Uh, the defense court, Todd Orlando, right? Yeah, and then but well, LSU has the highest paid defensive coordinator now. Yeah, and then Brent's and John making, Chavis is at Arkansas. That's what's bizarre. To Brent's me. making one hundred and eighty. I mean, one point eight. One point eight. One hundred and eighty would be a really big deal. Well, I mean, Kel kind of has increased responsibilities now. Uh, he's the eye in the sky for Lincoln, which is kind of the stepping stone into an offensive coordinator job. Uh, Kel has said, even at the Rose Bowl, I talked to him about this, that uh, he'd love to be an offensive coordinator. He'd love to be a play caller, but he's not just going anywhere to do it. And so he now is... And I mean, he's the longest-tenured coach now, even even the, more so than the head coach. He's making five hundred thousand. I mean, you've been somewhere for twenty years or nineteen years. You think that's probably a pretty fair? Pay. Yeah. Somebody asked. I I don't know if you saw it, Bob, but somebody tagged us on Twitter last night and you know just point blank asked why does Kale not make the most for how long he's ever been there? I mean, he got a he got a ninety thousand dollar raise yesterday or whatever. I, seventy yeah. or seventy. I mean, he's making five hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, he's not a coordinator. He's not a coordinator. So right. I mean, it makes sense. I, Josh, I'd say uh, the guy that most of us would be happy for is probably Tibbs, right? Calvin Thibodeau getting a $55,000 raise. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, and you sort of understood it last year when they'd come off that recruiting class. It really wasn't what they wanted it to be, and there, there just wasn't a lot of momentum that made you feel like defensive line recruiting and the defensive line itself was where it needed to be. But, you know, you see some progress with the play, and there's no question the recruiting has gone, you know, to a higher level than what probably since mid-Jackie Ship era. I mean, you know, it's been a while since you was recruiting like this in the defensive line. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's a, it's been a good year for him, and I think he started to – it was funny because I read something on the board today where someone was like, you know, and it's going to come off as a shot at everybody else, and I guess there's no other way to present it, but – it was kind of like, except for Tibbs, everybody in this defensive staff can go. And I'm like, that is crazy, because a year ago, everybody thought Tibbs was, at, you know, he was out of his depth, and he couldn't handle this, and blah, blah, blah. And now he's the guy that everybody feels like they want to hang on to. Uh, everybody got two-year deals, which is, you know, that's saying something, because that didn't used to exist several years ago. Except for Tibbs, except for Dennis Simmons, except for Tim Kish. 
which is interesting. Now, Ruffin McNeil only got a ten thousand dollar raise. Now he's up to five seventy. So right, the five five sixty starting point sound, yeah. sounded strange to start with. But he's got the associate, you know, was it associate head coach role or assistant head coach role? Who's that? Ruffin. Ruffin. Ruffin yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you were talking about Kisher, and I was like, what? <laughs> so gotta get into, what did I miss? <laughs> Tim Kish, four hundred thousand dollars, thirty thousand dollar raise, and a. But not a two-year deal. And a tr- transition lens contract. Okay. Yeah, just another sign that they liked what Kish did in the last year, but he's got to prove it every single year. Where and now Shane Beamer was what, 450? 435. 435. So, and I thought that was the most impressive thing with the staff uh, that's been done recently is just that uh, they, they went in and basically stole an assistant that was highly thought of somewhere else. Uh, you know, of course, Frank Beamer's son. And I did ask Joe kind of about the rising cost. You know, you, as we said, Bill Beanbow probably deserves to be more in the seven, eight hundred range based on the marketplace. Uh, and I know that's something that Joe sees always fighting. Uh, Annie Hansen got a big raise, like $115,000. So, you know, there's people in positions inside an athletic department that like people like Joe C have never thought about before. And he kind of talked about all that stuff. Uh, in terms of just managing staffs and budgeting and paying more for assistance. And really, OU is very fortunate they don't have to pay a million dollars to some coordinator because they got Lincoln Riley. So that kind of should help spread the love a little bit too. But here's uh, me talking with Joe C. about all that stuff. I'm sorry, you mentioned being proactive. And when the 10th assistant came out, you guys went out and signed Shane Beamer. Uh, didn't hire like a glorified graduate assistant for that job. But you've got, I mean, you were you were part of the race. You were going to pay Lincoln $1.3 million to be a coordinator. The coordinator roles have bloomed into a million. Now you've got, you know, offensive line, defensive line coaches that are, you know, being pushed and pulled and dragged and making a lot more money. How different is just these, you know, managing these staffs now for ADs versus maybe five years ago? Well, <laughs> they're, uh, it's very different because there's really no specific um, – route for the market to go it it changes erratically um you know you can always you know think of as an economist and trying to project how market conditions might change up or down and um, other metrics that would indicate you know there's there's gradual or incremental kind of growth and plan for that of course and then you know do you know what you think are leaders it's best for leaders to do running their own organizations. The market around us is changing um, in ways that's really hard to project. You can look at a couple of outliers. Each and every sport has them. Um, and then, you know, really think about how the market coalesces around a, you know, a, a certain, certain position. In, in the case of football, <laughs> it's really been erratic. And, uh, you know, I guess, you know, in the case of certain schools, you know, when they make those decisions and they have the, the resources to, to do that, or, you know, we can't sit in other institutions and say you should or shouldn't do that because those are individual decisions, just like they may, may have their own opinion of what we do. But, you know, we, we're the ones that have to make the right decisions and, and then do what's best for the program. And, you know, in our case, we've tried to be as proactive in, in thinking about where Oklahoma should be in the marketplace, where we can 
uh, afford to be, what we can support, and what's representative of our program, and realize that just the compensation to individuals is only part of the investment we make of the program. It's all the other things that go along with it. In case of football, it's it's been huge changes over the course of time. There were. And, uh, you know, you just look at some of the staff members that um, are hired in football now that just weren't part of the staff six or eight years ago. Mm-hmm. So I think he's probably talking about recruiting staff there at the end. But I think what you take out of that, if you take anything out of it, is Joe is basically saying, look, we are not going to lead the nation in any one coaching salary position, whether it's head coach, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, but we're going to be competitive because we're trying to run an entire athletic department. So Joe, I think Joe is mindful that there are fans out there and he's, he, he reads all of his, his, you know, mentions and stuff. He knows what's going on. He knows we've had this talk before. Like he thinks it's kind of funny sometimes the irrational stuff that he'll be sent by people, but he understands that there are a certain segment of the fans that want OU to have the highest paid coach or, you know, that, that want to have, uh, the most expensive stadium or whatever. I and mean, not it's a even, bragging rights thing. Yeah, not even because maybe somebody deserves it. It's just because it's Oklahoma and people think they should be paying the most because like, they're OU. Yeah, we're OU. We should be paying as much as Alabama right. or whatever. Now, here's the thing that we don't know. Like, And you guys feel free to comment. Like, What would Joe do if he had a coach that had won multiple national championships? Like a Nick Saban. And we lost Josh. So, yeah, I mean, I, I just think it comes down to fans want to be number one in everything, in anything. But, and I think I think Lincoln probably understands where he's coming from. He knows uh, being here for three, four years, he understands that Joe wants to pay people what they deserve to be paid. It's just not going to be, like Michigan, I look at Michigan, why the hell did they need to pay Jim Harbaugh what they paid him? It was a panic move. It was an AD that probably got Panic. played a little bit. Yeah, he did. Uh, no doubt he did. Because, and not because of performance, but just because he hadn't done anything like a Nick Saban did. And, and yet, you're putting him in the same, you know, category. And Ohio State, they play the, you know, they probably play, they, they're not known for having the the best ADs ever. Um, but they, they got in a, I, Michigan, it feels like, got in a mode where, they went to the table. They said, we're going to offer you this. And Jim Harbaugh's people said, do you realize that you're getting ready to get Jim Harbaugh? And they said, okay, we'll we'll throw three more million on. Just make sure he comes. It just throws off the scale. Because once you over, overpay one guy, then you tend to do it with every single person on the staff. I thought there was a little bit of Joe C2 that he didn't necessarily say it, but, I mean, Lincoln Riley still has a lot to prove as a head coach, just as far as... Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, he doesn't have Baker. He doesn't have the familiarity of what they he used to have. He has one year. I mean, yeah. I've, even down to uh, the director of football ops changing. I mean, there's a lot of movement inside the program right but, now. And he, he was handed the keys. And you know what? You don't want to be a dick about it, but when you're in negotiations and you have a you know somebody's athletic director or not, athletic director versus an agent, you know stuff like that's going to come up like, Look, he didn't build his own staff here. Yeah, he's he was handed the keys to an engine that was already you know car that already had a pretty good engine in it. So let's during wait. during let's half see. the let's race, see what happens. Much. Yeah, he was handed the keys to a car during half of a race. Now he has to start his own race. 
Josh, any thoughts there? No, uh, guys, I won't lie. The um, jo- Joe C is a wizard. I don't know how you guys do it in a press conference setting. Like, I was sitting here, and I was like, I, I believe I've just gotten tired. Like, Josie could be my lullaby. <laughs> we're just used to reading in between the lines. Yeah, we're just re- used to reading in between the lines. Yeah, you hear yeah. what he says. I don't hear any of that. I hear how I'm interpreting what he's actually saying. <laughs> and that's kind of how I got towards the end of Bob Stoops' career. Is like, I, I hear what you're saying, but that's not what you're saying. I'm hearing something else. So for you, it was kind of like when we were trying to figure out how much Lincoln Riley was actually getting paid with all the mumbo jumbo. Oh, so numbers. That was not easy. That was like good 15 minutes. They make it so confusing. Uh, you, I, I also I wanted to bring this up, and it's completely not football related, and I'm not bashing anybody. Did you notice how much the gymnastics assistants make? No. Did either of you? Uh-uh. They're making like $125,000 and $130,000. I think that's kind of like a minimum, though, what you got to pay. That, I thought that was insane. I mean, you'd have, you would have. I mean, they've won national championship. They're one of the better yeah. programs in the country. I'm not saying not saying that. I just, I was shocked to see how much money some of these assistants You make. have to, I mean, here's kind of the rule. You have to pay them enough so they're not going to, some, some gym in Houston will pay them to come be their director of yeah. gymnastics for $100,000. I just thought that was insane. You got to pay them enough to just keep them from taking other jobs. I guess. And congratulations to them. They're doing great. Yeah. I mean, that's like with Annie Hansen. It's like her position now, and that's kind of what Joe is talking about. Uh, Josh will bring you in on this. Her position now is critical to every Power 5 football program yeah. in existence, which means... If you're good at that position, you're going to be coveted, just like Zach Heffley, just like yep. you know a video coordinator guy. Yeah, um, these are positions now that every athletic department is filling, and if you have someone good at it at their job, you're gonna have to pay them, right, Josh? Oh, absolutely, and you know the th- that's one of those interesting things because there's so much of what she does that I don't think we all readily see no, like I, no I, you're right yeah. like it's and so to me i think it's hard for even you know a guy like me that covers recruiting all day every day it's all i do it's hard for me to quantify to people like well this is what's happening because she's doing so much that it's organizational and she's not just like ordering that. cookie cakes for the recruiting weekends like it so it's, i mean and i that, that's i know people will hear things like that like oh that's so like who couldn't do that well but it's not like it's there. It's that's that's a really big generalization. I know that's what you meant to ask, Harry. But it's just one of those things where people like don't understand all the stuff that she has to do that is not going to show up in recruiting. Because I don't talk to recruits and they're like, "Oh, Miss Annie, she she's amazing." Like that. It's not like that. There's not that correlation. She's putting all basically. She's clearing the way so that the staff can do what they need to do. Right, like, she's, she's she's covering a lot of their stuff that so they don't have to get caught up in planning and organization and all that stuff. They just go recruit their guys. You, you mentioned the the planning part. I got to talk to her last September, right after the Tulane game, I believe, and she didn't let me take this with me, but she showed me the official visit itinerary. 
and how it was organized with every single day, almost to the minute, and where coaches had to be, where recruits had to be. And it, it just makes life so much easier for all those coaches. Well, and I think you have to mention Drew Hill, too, in that conversation. Absolutely. Because, Absolutely. I mean, he's been kind of the guy that has spearheaded that department in a lot of ways. And I, it's, it's another one of those things where I think because it's confusing, I think even people in the department wondered, like, you know, people don't really give me credit for this or that because nobody knows like it's just not one of those things you get an inside look at because it's recruiting and it's taboo for media to have anything to do with recruiting so it's like we don't really understand that that drew hill is just as responsible for for that stuff as annie hansen is too and but he's also got the extra responsibilities of you know qa kind of some qa stuff that he does and things like that and drew was able to survive the transition when it came from Bob Stoops to Lincoln yeah. Riley, that whole recruiting staff kind of got overhauled and just kind of thrown, you know, thrown out the window. But Drew did did make it. He's been there since 2014 now, and I mean, and he's a huge part to this uh, puzzle. Well, and in direct opposition to what I said about Annie, you hear Drew's name come up. Yes. Like I'll hear Coach Hill, I'll hear stuff like that, and I know you do too, Bob. I mean, it's he's a guy that has direct involvement. And I, it's the, their roles are very different, but they're both necessary. Uh, okay, now I want to talk about softball a little bit. Um, and we kind of joked about Joe Castiglione at the beginning of the podcast, kind of having to get up and and give his. Well, we need twenty two million dollars to build this, or you know, this is going to cost twenty two million dollars. Will you approve this plan for us? After uh, James Gallagher basically said, you guys spend way too much money, you're wasting money. We're going to turn things around. Uh, but it was, uh, it was approved that they could start to develop their uh, overall plan and start taking donations, you know, start selling it to donors to try. So basically, it's a lot like when they introduced the master plan for the football stadium. It's like, here's what it could look like. Here's the renderings. Uh, we need to raise money, so th- in order for this to happen, but we're not putting you know we're not putting shovels in the ground yet. So then they raise the money, then they put the shovels there. So that's what they're doing. They got to raise the money before they can put the shovels in the ground. And uh, here's Joe Castiglione just talking about why it is that they're not just the initial plan was to uh, simply uh, renovate the stadium that they already had, Marie Hines Field. But now they've decided to go ahead and build a completely new, uh, new facility that is uh, just a really a couple blocks. Uh, what am I thinking? South of of where they are now. Do you feel like it's going to be easier to raise funds for a new facility for softball than it would to just keep renovating the old one? We're going to find out. Um, you know, right now. Uh, Possibly. We, uh, again, wanted to come up with the right plan that would serve us in the long term. And after going through some uh, evaluation of, of a renovation at the current site, we realized that um, long range we might not be as happy with uh, that investment. And so we decided to look just a little further south, I guess you could probably call it 
two blocks south. And by the way, it's on the northwest corner. Yeah. <laughs> I think all the materials said northeast, so I didn't want to confuse anybody, but it's really the northwest corner, the way at least I would consider. That's <laughs> kind of an odd intersection. It's a T, not a yeah. full intersection. But you know, looking at lots of things that have been contemplated uh, in our community, we're just you know, recognizing that there could be some changes somewhere down the road that would create some issues for the softball stadium at its current site. It's a beautiful site, just, just the way that it's um, actually located, um, positioned, if you will. And so this allows us to um, recognize what the future might hold in terms of other changes that go on in that area and properly position it, have the same you know, orientation that it does right now with the home plate you know, in the, um, I guess you could say the southeast corner of the ballpark. <laughs> We're going to get compasses out here before long. But uh, in any event, um, uh, we just feel like in the long run it's the best, best decision. But as we said in there, anything that we do will have to be supported by private dollars. And uh, we, we have been out there already seeing prospective donors and trying to generate some interest for it. But there certainly is a lot of interest around the sport of softball. So, and this is what it comes down to, or what I gathered from, you know, some follow-ups. I think Brooke Pryor had asked him a follow-up um, about, you know, why it, specifically what it was about the stadium that makes it not viable. And it sounds like any kind of renovation they had to do for increasing the concourse and things would get too close to the street. And makes sense. That that it was just not going to be. I mean, you don't want a car like craning off the road and crashing into your stadium. Yeah, no, that one hundred percent makes. Plus, sense. you don't. You have to put gates out there and stuff. That well, have and there's some, there's no there's nowhere to park over there too. So yeah. when you expand, where are you going to have everybody park? And so and there's a lot of wide open the, fields, you know, out there. Yeah, there are, and I think Imhoff that's where they usually park Jenkins. people over at the stadium too. Yeah. So plus, you will, can park at Lloyd Noble. Yeah, I, yep. I, that's the biggest sell, I think, is you can park at Lloyd Noble. You can dual-purpose the parking lot over there. And the interesting the, if they try and flip the stadium so you're not looking back into the sun at 5 o'clock. Maybe they'll get rid of the weird apartments over there now. <laughs> I think that's I, that's the way I understood it, is that that's what they would do. Because I think where they have some of those, you, those families. Apartments those are weird. weird. Those apartments weird. have been weird since I was in yes. school. Yeah. They're weird. I mean, we're talking 90s. Like, I can't believe they still, with all the crap they've torn down on campus. Like, Boren's, that's your one biggest, I don't care what James Gallagher said, David Boren, that's your only big failure is not getting rid of those weird-ass apartments over there. He just shunned all the... Ethnic groups? Yeah, over there. <laughs> is that the nice way of putting yeah, it? Yeah, I think so. Somebody, you know what somebody told me that they called him? When they were in school at OU, Mm-mm. The, the terrorist apartments. Mm. It's, it's a little offensive, but I'm offended. <laughs> oh wow, you're offended! <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> no, I might have told you that. No, but there were a lot of uh, Asian people, and I don't. I I think it was mainly Asian people back in the '90s. We're a. I think Josh's family's home. I, I'm here. No, I'm I'm just trying to avoid the train wreck that feels like it could be coming. <laughs> I'm going to pretend 
I'd like you to omit this part later that I'm going to pretend that my family has come home and that I can no longer say that I heard any of this and know anything about it. So, <laughs> Well, back back to the topic. This will, this will <laughs> be say, a, a great chance to sh- for everyone to show that they really do support softball. Because we hear it all the time. But to actually put up 20, and it was a big 22 year, million, to actually put up 22 million would show that it has become one of the elite sports when it comes to OU. Not just success on the field, but also in terms of the support that it is getting. Maybe after the ESPN The Body issue comes out, Laura Chamberlain can pay for it. She's already got that money. All $12? Mama already got that money, you know? Now, she makes a shit ton of money. Does she? Yeah, I read like an article in the... Something, but I, I but forgot she, what it was. But she's not twenty two million. Not twenty two. She doesn't have twenty two million no. spare just no. laying around. Did they get paid for that. The body issue. I would hope so. I don't know. For her, it's probably good. For it's probably worth doing it for free for the exposure. Yeah, I have no idea. Because outside of Oklahoma, not a lot of people know who Lauren Chamberlain is. No, everybody knows who. Seriously, in the softball world, yeah, yeah. But not like Joe. He's probably the biggest name in the softball world. Average Joe guy at the Buffalo Wild Wings on a Saturday watching soccer probably doesn't know. Yeah. Twin Peaks. Eddie, of the magazine, of the ESPN the magazine subscriber, what percentage would you say have ever heard of Lauren Chamberlain? Ten? Probably. I'd put, yeah. yeah, ten. Over, under. Maybe over. I'd say maybe over. I mean, I. Softball is getting bigger and bigger just because it's on ESPN every year. Sure. No, I mean, it is. And and there's a, a whole lengthy list of reasons she should be known. Not but she's not Jenny she's Finch. She's really freaking good. I would she's say not... she's bigger than Jenny Finch. Really? Yeah. Really? Right now? Well, right now, but I would, I, I'm saying Jenny Finch is probably, at her peak, the most famous softball player that has ever lived. I think it's relative, though, because what Eddie's saying is right. Softball's more more known than it used to be. No, no, I'm so not check- talking about softball being. I'm talking about as a personality, as a a yeah, as a per a public figure. Jenny Finch is way more popular in her prime than Lauren Chamberlain is right now. Didn't Jenny just do Dancing with the yeah, Stars? Yeah, I think she does. She's done all that crap. And did was she in? She, she was married one of the Sports a, Illustrated swimsuit issues, wasn't and she? She married a major league baseball player too. It's Lauren, Eddie, I'm sorry, you're gonna have to break up. Yeah, I know. She has to marry famous. <laughs> I don't, in order to advance her. I don't know if the guy she's dating is famous, but. Well, I mean, you know, he just does some. Well, radio she needs to dump him City. too, then. Lauren, you yeah, can only. I mean, da- I, it's a, I'm just looking out for you, Lauren. We need to raise your profile. Start just dating famous people. How and, big does Eddie have local. to go before he fully start qualifies? Local. I'm not does saying like it can't be someone just in the NFL. It has to be a star in the NFL. I would probably, I Gary, you're probably right. I, I mean, Jenny Finch was definitely a, a. I don't even know if it worldwide would be the right word, but she but was a close huge to name, it. Yeah, a very huge name. Uh, I mean, my God, she was doing commercials for, like, yeah, cereal and stuff. Yeah, But from a, I don't know. Lauren Chamberlain's a big I player. know, you're just you're just defending your girl. We're just sticking That's up. Admirable. We're just sticking up. Sticking up for her. 
when do we think there might be some previews of the ESP and the body issue? Who who else was in the? I actually uh, some thought, big names in. I there were like there was. They, I mean, it'll be hard the, to beat the Hobby WWE. Hyatt. The WWE chick did one, but yeah, the silhouettes is what you're talking about. That's yes. kind of out there. It'll yeah. be hard to beat the Javi Baez issue. <laughs> Saquon uh, Barkley. So yeah, Saquon Barkley's in there. Saquon Barkley will probably look pretty good naked. <laughs> I feel comfortable <laughs> saying that. He might he, Saquon Barkley might be one of those guys that has odd dimensions to his body, though, because Super he's so big. I think Sue Bird's kind of hot. Jesse Diggins, I don't think she's on the same team. She's posing with Megan Rapone. They're posing together? Yes. Damn it. We lost one. Maybe a little, a little scissoring? <laughs> <laughs> Flying scissors into each other. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic? Say that right? Soccer player, I think right? You, yeah, I think you did. I think you Zlatan. Did. Greg Norman. I don't know why anybody wants to see that. What? Oh, man, yeah, that's uh, the one I saw that was really like, whoa. Yasiel Puig, yeah, Adam Yassiel Rapone, Puig. Jerry Rice, Carl Anthony Towns. I want to see Jerry Rice. And Brianna Stewart, uh, Seattle Storm. Carl Ford. Anthony Towns is going to be weird. He's really going to have to hide that thing. That, yeah. They're gonna and you need something creative. bigger than a basketball. Yeah. Probably hanging out the bottom side. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it'll be their first tripod. And yeah, that'd be funny. They just put a tripod right in front of him. And Tori Bowie, I've never heard of is that a guy or a girl? Gold mini gold medal winning Olympic sprinter. That's your uh that's your twenty eighteen. Oh, if it's a girl, she's gonna have gigantic legs then. No, let's see. I think it would have to be because there's really only there's no Usain Bolt's winning but. everything. He's already yeah. yeah. He's been in it, hadn't he? Usain Bolt. He was in it. I think so. Yeah. So what gold? Yeah, Tori Bowie, the fastest woman in the world. Yeah. So there's no the gold medalist. It, it has to be a girl because Bolt's winning everything. But speed skater, you said right? Uh, did I say that? I think I said that. Yeah, because if it's a speed skater, she's gonna have gigantic thighs. No, figure skater. Oh, oh figure skater. Adam Rapone. Uh. The sprinter is Jesse. Uh, it's a sprinter on land. It's yeah, track. Whatever. I'll probably check it out. <laughs> Charlotte Flair. That's is that Ric Flair's daughter? Yes, it is. Oh, it is. Yeah, she's really hot. Isn't yes, she? it is. Are any of you guys wrestling people? I don't know that we've had that conversation. Yes, yes I am. Wow, oh, Bob. That was very energetic, man, Bob. That that's was. Like, I, I mean, I have been since proudly 1995. So yeah. So like, you can't actually speak to Jr. Like you get you get frozen. No, like, I, well, I'm the, just. I did the collected wisdom with Jr. in 2007. I in did the Oklahoman two-hour interview with him. It was awesome, and that, that's that's how it started. When you see him, like on the sideline, do you do you talk? Are you yeah. buddies? Okay. Yeah, he did the autograph book for my uh, birthday. Oh wow! Okay. I remember that. Yeah, I remember that now. I mean, I watched I, WrestleMania I and stuff I when I was a kid it. on my cousin's satellite. Yeah, I never got into it. Now, I don't watch it. Anymore. I don't watch it nearly as much as I used to. But mid nineties, I wish I would have been into it when The Rock was big, because I mean the stuff I did see when The Rock was it was hilarious. Yeah, it, I I watched it occasionally, but that was only because that was like everybody at school was talking about. It was it. the in thing to do late nineties. I mean, yeah, Steve I mean Austin. like Triple H, Steve yeah. Austin, The what Rock. Was the, what was the Wolf Pack? 
Yeah. Was that something? I liked yes. the, when I was yes, a little kid, I liked the British Bulldogs and um I like, you know, watching Sting. Well, now with SmackDown going to Fox, that's going to be interesting. I don't know what that means. <laughs> that was like a different language. I don't even know what he's talking about right now. They're moving one of their regular shows. Is that like Monday Night Raw? But it's the other one. SmackDown is going to be Friday nights on Fox, not FS1. And Monday Night Raw is it's... always the one that comes to Chesapeake, right? Well, they take turns. Okay. So I don't. So what's the difference between SmackDown and Monday Night Raw? Just di- uh, different wrestlers. They each have their own yeah. night that they they don't cross over or anything. They do on certain events, but most of them they're set their uh, set schedule. They go like uh, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, or Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, depending on what brand you're with. I hope Jim Ross gives you some free tickets to something next time they come here. You're a nerd. Um, Ouch. No, I mean, that's a good thing. <laughs> so, I think we're past all the Joe C stuff. Yeah, definitely. No it more three-minute answers. It was it was good to get through uh, that Board of Regents meeting because we knew it was coming. And, and it was more exciting than it normally during was. The summer. It's that final hurdle during the summer. There was a lot of people there yesterday, too. It was a good crowd. Yeah. And the Clark Stroud thing we didn't talk about. Yeah, I, I thought that was interesting just... For the fact that you know, I I, I like I wasn't he's a really good it. guy. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, you know, he was the uh, vice president of student affairs and the dean of students uh, for quite a long time. And what's bizarre is like he and Bob are like really tight. They're they like one of his best friends is Clark Stroud, and Clark and Matt McMillan live together. Not live together, but they live their neighbor breaking live in the news, same neighborhood. Breaking news. <laughs> they live in the same neighborhood. They're neighbors, uh, and so they're like best buddies. So, I said this, you know, I think it's a, a really smart move on his part because anytime, I think I've said this before, my brother's worked most of his life in university development, and anytime a president comes in, it's like, I mean, you could tell by yesterday, like, James Gallagher doesn't care anything about people with allegiances to Bourne. Like, he wants his people in there. He wants his watchdogs uh, in there, he wants his financial people in there. He wants his own people. He wants to put his imprint, his stamp on the university I'll, as his own. I'll be honest. I I thought about this leaving yesterday. Just driving home was the fact that you know there was so much time spent over the last twenty years talking about the relationship between President Boren, Joe Castiglione, and Bob Stoops. It'll be interesting to see how all this, and not to like doubt Jim, uh, James Gallagher at all. It's just going to be interesting to see how all this coincides with the athletic side of things. And yeah, can you imagine Joe like, was asked about it a little bit yesterday, you know, as far as raising money for athletics, how's that going to compare to the academic side of things? Yeah, like what happens when someone wants to give you $100 million to build the West Side? James Galgley's going to come and say, well, we need that money for this. Or is he, though? Because what was the one thing that it was presented when he was announced president? He's a humongous OU football fan. Yeah. Was that too much? You don't know if you buy it? Yeah. I don't know. He was telling me that he was reading the message boards as we walked out yesterday. and <laughs> Love the response that they were getting. Yeah. Well, you could be a huge fan, but you're not going to put that first in terms He's of a business priorities yeah. right. of what you got to yeah. get done first. He's a businessman. It's not about passion. Right. I mean, with David Bourne, everything was about his passion, which is why he's in a billion dollars of debt. No doubt. 
which was good. I mean, that's good. You you build Rome, and everybody loves you for it, and you get the gladiators out there, and you know you win over the the common folk, and everybody loves you, and they don't care that you know there's a lot of rats in the sewers because they overlook that stuff. I don't know where I'm going with this. But what I'm saying is Clark Stroud, like, now he is going to be, I think it's good for him because who knows what, you know, president, what, not elect, it's president uh, designate, uh, James Gallagher. He may not, you know, he may not jive with him. And it doesn't seem like Clark's a very big personality, like really big personality. I don't think that James Gallagher is a big personality. He's, he's very reserved from what we've seen so far. So he wants to do something different, and I think it's a really good move for him because you're going with, you know, into a situation where you know everyone, and it's, it's kind of a refresher. So I'm glad to see him doing it. And I think, he, I think he'll be really good for the football program. This is a, probably a pretty basic or obvious question, but what does the director of football ops do? Almost everything related to planning travel, uh, just all the logistics of the program. Uh, he has to get with uh, the equipment managers. He has to get with the doctors. He has to get with the trainers. So basically kind of an overseer of everything. You oversee all the – the. you takes care of all the administrative roles that a head coach would normally have to do. Okay. So it's a very, very detailed and important position. He's not just collecting a paycheck. No, no. And I think Clark is the type of guy that and, like, would really if, kind of love that idea of being a, involved in just about everything. And he was the, you know, Matt, Matt McMillan was the president of the Bob Stoops Foundation, too. So he ran his foundation. So I'm sure Lincoln will want to get into those. The guys guys. getting his own restaurant. But, you know, Lincoln's got the Grow You stuff that he's wanting to really mm-hmm. pump up. And I think, you know, having a guy that was dean of students is someone perfect to have in that role. And I think it's also can benefit them in recruiting when you have someone like Clark that is uh, as, you know, uh, outgoing as he is and knows what, you know, a, stu- a student's role is at the University of Oklahoma uh, and what their role can be within the university to be able to kind of impart that on kids when they come in for visits. Yeah, no doubt. There's Bob no looked doubt. like he wanted to add something, but then he didn't. I'm good. Uh, okay, so we're headed off to Atlanta uh, early next week. I'm just going to say chances of a podcast are almost zero for next week because we're going to be busy. I'm going to be traveling all day Monday, uh, and the, you guys are going to be traveling Tuesday. Josh will be traveling Tuesday morning, So, and then it's going to be camp, camp, camp all next week. Uh, Josh and Bob, what do we know in terms, if anything, about attendance at the camp so far? I actually have the list. I got it. I requested it right before we started the pods because I knew, you know, obviously we had this conversation. It looks awesome. I mean, like, I've heard nothing of cancellations. I've heard no talk of anyone being, uh, you know, locked out. As far as quarterbacks, we get to see Bo Nix, the guy that's number two to uh, Spencer Rattler. And Bob and I plan to talk trash to him throughout the week so that Spencer can further lift himself as the number one quarterback in the country. We'll take care of that for OU fans, so we've got that going for us. But, I mean, like, you look down the list. I mean, there is the wide receiver group is incredibly well represented with Theo Weiss, Trajan Bridges, Jaden Hazelwood. We'll get a chance. We'll put him on camera, kind of see what he had to say about his OU trip when he talks to us. You know, there's 
there's a lot to go over with him and just kind of where things stand. Um, uh, Zach Evans, the 2020 running back, who I talked to last week, he'll be there. Stacy Wilkins will be there. A guy that I'm really interested to talk to is Jonah Ta'anu'u, I guess, the offensive lineman from Southern California that visited a few weeks ago. And that's, yeah. that, that'll be really good to kind of hear from him and see what he thought. Uh, Marcus Stripling will be there. Um, you know, you, uh, Prince Dorba is a guy that will also be there. So there's a, there's a lot of names I could go through. You know, I don't want to bore everybody to death. I'm trying to kind of hit some of the bigger ones. Obviously, <laughs> maybe the most notable one will be Chris Steele. He'll be in attendance. We'll get to talk to him. And I, I think it's always so good when we can put these guys on camera because everybody gets to watch and see how they say the things they're saying. It's not just written down so that people can kind of read into the words however they want to. And Chris Steele's that kind of guy. Like he's, a, he's an interview that I guarantee I'll say, okay, Chris, we just need you for three or four minutes. And it'll end up going seven, eight, ten minutes because he's so – articulate and he wants to talk about everything he'll really expound on about really anything you ask him so i think you'll get some really honest answers and that's frankly i guess what about two weeks before his decision date so we'll have really actually only about a week so we'll have a good idea of where he's at as he you know comes close to making his announcement on the uh, uh in early july josh uh look just looking at that list, is there one guy that we should be very excited about that we can finally talk to because he's been so incredibly tough to try to get in touch with? You know, let me think. I, you know, I, I guess Jonah would be the first one because for whatever reason, the Pauly guys, there are a few exceptions, but by and large, they're tough to get on the phone. I, I don't know what that is about. I think most of them just don't like the recruiting process. They don't like to be involved with all that. But, I mean, he's the one that probably sticks out to me, especially just being a timely guy. Uh, a guy that I'm really anxious to see and kind of see where OU is with him is Justin Flo, the number two player in the country in 2020, a linebacker from California. Uh, he is – everybody I know that saw him at the L.A. Rivals camp just gushed about how amazing he was. So I really want to see him. I feel like he's going to be kind of like a few years ago when we saw um, – Oh, of course, I'm going to start trying to bring up his name. The linebacker from Texas that went to Ohio State, um, Baron Browning. Yeah. And Baron was just so amazing. Because for anybody that goes to these camps, linebackers, there's no position that it's more stacked against you in the way that you're going to work. Because things you're doing are not what you're going to do in a, in a Friday night game. So it's really tough for these guys. But apparently, he was just dominant athletically, has great tape. So I'm, I'm really interested to see him. But I would say, kind of to your question in particular, another good one, Bob, is Marcus Stripling. Even living here in Houston, Marcus is very hit and miss with me. Sometimes he's very talkative with me. Sometimes he's a little tough to track down. So kind of, again, getting a chance to put him on camera, talk to him, see where things are. I think it's OU or A&M for him. And I, I think it's just going to be interesting to see what he's gauging right now because I think the longer it goes, the better it is for Oklahoma because they, A, have time to make sure that they have a spot for him now with the commitment of Marcus Hicks to join Corey Roberson. I think Marcus Stripling's a take regardless, but it lets it be clarified, in my opinion. And on the other side, it gives him a chance to see what A&M's going to be. And with that, the opener against Clemson, it, it, it may be a harsh reality to start the year for, for the guys that are looking hard at A&M right now. By the way, guys, uh, you know, Rivals released uh, their top 20 rankings 
uh, top 100. And even when they released the top 10, I think all of us were like, we saw that list and we and, and we realized that OU was in the mix for a couple names. And that, to me, was even a huge step forward for Oklahoma in recruiting. Just that the very first time you release a list for kids that are two years out, the top 10 kids, that OU's already involved with a couple. Oh, yeah. I mean, you talk about Zach Evans, who, like I said, will be there. Uh, Justin Flo, the number two guy in the country. Uh, Brian Breesey, the defensive lineman who said he's going to be at the July 28th barbecue, uh, is the number three guy in the country. I mean, I, I kind of broke it down. I've got OU listed as, uh, a, you know, at varying degrees, truly engaged with five of the top ten players in the country. And that's that's awesome. I mean, if you get even two or three of those guys on campus, that's a huge win. Because if, as I look at it, the only guy that is from an area that you could say, oh, yeah, he could drive to Oklahoma pretty easily is Zach Evans, who's already been to campus. So, you know, you look at Flo from California. Breezy's from the D.C. area. Uh, you know, it, there's just so many quality players that Oklahoma has really started off strong with. Uh, the Kelly Ringo kids, the number 27 kid in the country from the Phoenix area, he's told me he'll be here this summer at some point. So he might be a barbecue guy as well. There, There is just a lot going on for Oklahoma that's very good. And kind of every year I get the question of, well, is the, the current class going to be better or the class upcoming? And I – always feel like I want, you know, I'm kind of a bird in hand kind of guy, but with the momentum they've got started for 2020, including the highest ranked commitment in the 2020 class and Jace McClellan, it's really hard to ignore where they're going right now. I mean, they're, they're really, it's going beyond, you know, oh, these are good classes. This is starting to become, you know, the playoffs going to be a prerequisite for these teams because there's so much talent and they're starting to build depth behind it. And that's like the biggest difference of the last couple of years where usually these early lists come out and we say, OU's offered, we have no clue where it actually stands. Now it's like, we know OU offered and the Sooners are in the early picture. Will he still be there six, 12 months down the road? Well, that we can't say, but we can say it's a lot more than this. Well, they've, they've offered. We can actually give some if some info about what OU has done to help its case with some of these elite of the elite kids. And like I said, one kid's already been on campus. One kid's planning on coming to the barbecue just in those top 10. Absolutely. And, and with Justin Flo, Southern California, I mean, are we really going to say you, you'd almost bet even as the number two guy in the country, Oklahoma's probably 50, 50 to get him on campus at some point, just because of how well they're doing in California over the last 10 years. And he was one of their first 2020 offers. I mean, this is oh, a yeah. name we've known for a long time. With OU. Yep. Well, and you know, guys, we also, it's so funny because the other name in Southern California that we've known forever is the number 25 guy in the country, Bryce Young. I mean, if the 2020 class ended right now, Oklahoma would have a, uh, probably have a five-star quarterback because I think that's where he's pretty heavily leaning. So it's there, there's a lot positive going on with Oklahoma's roster right now, but it only feels like it's getting better, which is hard to say after you know what looks like they're going to put two back-to-back top ten classes together. And you know, it's, right. it, it, it's three. It's, Sorry, three. It's interesting because this will be Bob's first trip to the five-star. But Josh, uh, Eddie, you guys can comment on this. It's been interesting going to these because you see all these kids that are ranked so highly. And, for instance, I know I, 
I think because of camps, I was the only one at the Chicago camp, right? When Joe Mixon was no, there. No, I was up there. Were you up there? I, I always Chicago. forget that. Um, but it was like, you have all these guys, and it's like, Alabama, Alabama, Ohio State, Alabama. Uh, and it's like, okay, so you're hoping for two or three guys that are interested in Oklahoma. Like, I remember that year in Chicago, Micaiah Quick was there. Uh, uh, Ricky DeBerry was a junior at that camp. He didn't get invited back for a senior year. Uh, Stephen Parker was there. Should have ejected when they had the chance. Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Clark. DeAndre Clark DeAndre, was there. Uh-huh. Uh, Joe Mixon was there. I remember uh, who was the defensive end that went to Stanford? Uh, Sol- Solomon Thomas. Solomon Thomas was there. Uh, and, and then he was kind of interested in Oklahoma. Although it was always this thing like, and Josh, you know this well, it's always that thing like they list Oklahoma, but you ne- when you're in that setting, you never get the feeling like Oklahoma really has a chance. And like with Joe Mixon, you felt like they had a chance. Uh, Damian Mama, I, th- I remember, was an offensive lineman was there, and he was listing Oklahoma, but you never really felt like he was going anywhere but USC. Uh, and it's just like... It, it gets kind of frustrating going to these things. I'm wondering now, and you guys were there last year, but I'm wondering now if it really is going to change to where you feel like, oh, Oklahoma's really a player with most of these kids. I'm trying uh, to think, Josh, what was who did we have last year that was up there? We had the kid that went to Miami, uh, the cornerback. Oh, yeah. Or No, that was a couple years ago. That was right? two years was ago. That, two that years was two ago? years ago. Okay. Um, no. Oh, I'm trying. Let me run through. Okay, so we were in Indianapolis. There was who all was in that group, Eddie? I'm trying to think through that. You would put me on the spot, Carrie. You bastard. Um, who do we have? Well, Michael Thompson was there, but we had no idea we were paying attention to Michael Thompson at the time. True. Um, True. See, Pledger wasn't there. Ron Tatum was supposed to come, but due to things beyond his control, he couldn't come. Um, no Jalen Redmond. Was Buki there? Yes, but at that point, he was a Nebraska right. commitment that, uh, that nobody paid much. You know, like nobody thought it was anything. Ronnie Perkins is the one guy that ended up in the class that well, I you know realize was there. that last year at this time, Lincoln was just taking over the job. He wasn't really making the headway yet. Oh, guys, those were the first interviews we did after he took over. Like, yeah. we, we made a point to interview anybody that had any connection with Oklahoma yeah. just because we wanted to see what it would become. You know, another guy who was there, Nick Benito, that we paid no attention to because we didn't think OU had any chance there. Amazing. I mean, that, and that's the stuff, like, that, that's that the should... things that for people to remember. I guarantee there will be someone in this group that we, that, we don't think Oklahoma's connected to or that Oklahoma's just kind of kind of laying in the weeds with that either will end up as part of this class or will it, it happens every year. There's some guy I overlook and it's it's always my fault no matter how many guys I interview. But it happens every year but it doesn't happen to that level. Like that just shows you what true. job Lincoln You're Riley right. did last year. Yeah, it shows you both the job that they did recover and then the job that they have done leading up to the point where we're going up there and we have a laundry list of guys that we're yeah. looking at. And that are truly interested in Oklahoma. Right. Like, you feel like they, Oklahoma has a real shot of signing these guys. Right. Absolutely. Or they're solidly committed already. I mean, Eddie's done these interviews with me for years, and he knows. Like, I'll be sitting there, and I'm talking about it. I'm like, we could do, we could interview that guy, but there's no point. Yeah. And some years we'll do it because we need those, you know, like, 
we got four dudes that we're really covering here. Let's do six or seven interviews just so there's more stuff for people to read and see. And, you know, we'll be honest about what we feel the situation is, but at least, you know, you get to hear this guy talk about OU. So, you know, good for our subscribers. Here's a, here's the best example. Like, I got – the one year I did have to go by myself was Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And it was the, when War Boko was getting ready to be a senior. Uh, and it was, like, one of the few guys, like – I was clinging on to like, God, there was that receiver out of Missouri that ended up going to Missouri, like Opaleka or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, okay. uh, Ophadile. Yep. Ophadile. Uh, yep. or whatever. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and like he, you know, was going to visit Oklahoma and just ended up picking Missouri kind of late. Uh, but there was the, the Ishmael guy that was the corner at USC. Um, and like you interview him, it was like, yeah, I like Oklahoma, and you're just like, whatever, dude. I'm not even putting this on the internet. Um, and then his t- he had he, the other guy that was in that went to USC was there too. That OU was like they were striking out on set on corners that year, left and right. But like Oroboko, 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 Ori, why can't I say his name anymore? Is it Oroboko? Oroboko, probably because he never plays. Oroboko, yeah. exactly. like of all the guys that we think, okay, this is going to be a great interview. It's going to be make OU fans happy. They're really going to enjoy seeing this. What does Oroboko do? He shows up in a USC T-shirt and a Nike T-shirt, by the way, at a at a Under Armour event. So sounds about right. There, the bar has been set though. Nobody will ever give, and I think our uh, our rights of. I think we can say this. No one statue will give it, of limitations. Statue of limitations. I was trying to think of the word. Uh, nobody will give a dumber interview than Hatari Bird and L.J. Moore. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh God, when they had bad. no idea what conference Oklahoma was in, they, they, they said it at least twice that OU was in the Pac-12. Yeah, Pac-10. we uh, didn't. We walk away from that interview literally thinking we might not even run that because they're not. There's no chance in hell they're coming to Oklahoma. Uh, I, I remember I was like, Eddie, can you edit that? Can you, you know, like, because I mean, we do, we try to make these kids look as good as we can, like without totally ruining the point of the interview. But at the same time, you're like, God, that's, that's so bad. And we just ran it in its entirety because I, 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 I it was one of those situations. Like I was just talking about where you're like, I want to be honest with you guys about what the situation is. And for anybody to at that point have been like, Josh, you should have known Hatari and LJ were coming. You're an idiot. There's no way you would have watched that interview and thought, yeah, OU's getting both of those dudes for sure. And their younger teammate the next year. You guys were doing that. Uh, I was falling in love with OJ Howard at that game. You were trying not to die that day in Atlanta. I did almost die. That was that was a miserable, that was miserable day. It was outside on a turf yes. field and it was no less than 120 degrees. Nope. That was also the Greg Bryant year. Yeah, I yeah. Th- R.I.P. Had he decommitted at that point? No, Christian Hackenberg. Just about Christian Hackenberg. He was, was still he was too. still committed, and then he commit he decommitted like a week after we left. That's what it was. That's right. That's I right. thought Christian Hackenberg was going to be a star after that camp too. I still think in the right Zeke hand, Pike, Christian Hackenberg so probably could have been. Zeke Pike was U.S. Army. Uh, I thought no. I thought he was out at uh, one of the rivals camps as well. I don't think he was. At he might have been. I mean, he was an elite national guy. He was a big deal. He was definitely at U.S. Army. Kerry's right about that. I knew. I knew he was going to be a a bust when he tried to sell me meth during a uh, water break one time. <laughs> that uh, did not happen. <laughs> Eddie, what about your um your quarterback? The uh, what's his name? Mac uh, that went to Alabama last year. Oh, Mac James. 
Yeah. Was it uh, Mac James? No, Mac James played baseball for OU. Was uh, it Mac, Mac Jones? What was his Mac name? Jo- I think it is Mac Jones. Yeah. That I mean, what, a, what are your thoughts on him? You dude's know, he, a baller. He's going he's gonna to tear it up at Alabama. But he's going to get so much ass down there in Tuscaloosa. <laughs> Guaranteed. Oh, that story. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. The kid is going to tear up Tuscaloosa. <laughs> Kid's a hero. He's my favorite, one of my favorite recruits of all time. Oh, for the people out there, ask ask us privately when you run into us sometime about that story, and we will be sure to share. Yes, yeah, statue privately li- doesn't mean the message board. Yeah, statue of <laughs> yes, limitations are not, not over on that course. one. No, we want plausible deniability, ladies and gentlemen. That kid is so. a baller, though. It, anytime I see, like, he might beat up to a to a Tagaloga. God, I can't say his name. I'm so glad that kid's not here in in Norman. To a Tagaloga. <laughs> to a Tagaloga. To a Tagaloga. That kid's been christened. It hasn't even started again. He's got a little brother too that's coming up. Yeah, didn't they move to? Uh, they moved to. Did they move to Tuscaloosa? Yeah. Hmm. Too close together though. Auburn's gonna have to buy him. It's true. Mac Jones. Yeah, that's Mac him. Jones. Okay. What I had a, to make sure. What a badass! A leader of yeah. men. <laughs> and by the way, Stan Von Taylor was awesome at that five-star camp. Yeah, we he left there thinking that he should be a wide receiver, didn't we? He, yeah, I mean. Because he worked out as a wide receiver, right? Yeah, yeah. That's DJ only, Ward did really that's well. That's the only way they let him come to camp is if he'd come as a receiver. DJ See, Ward did well. well. DJ had a good day, but that was the first time that I thought, oh, okay, maybe DJ's not quite on the level I thought he was. Like that, when they go to camp, you remember like that, when I DJ Ward just got? About, you remember when DJ Ward just got punched in the face? Like he was on the line. They were doing. They were doing bag drills. Yeah. Who was that guy? It was some big offensive lineman. Just punched yeah. him right in the face. Like it, yeah. it wasn't like he. It wasn't like they were standing there. He, just, he was. He was down on his. He was down on. He I had his hand on the ground. That. He was getting ready to rush, and the guy punched the offensive lineman. Punched like you know, just punching mm-hmm. with his hands open. Just murdered DJ in the face, and DJ just took it and ran around him and and got to the bag and. Everybody was like, I thought they were going to fight. Just trying to think. Off the top of my head, we've been to Atlanta. We've been to Chicago. Baltimore, obviously. Indianapolis last Indianapolis year. Indianapolis last year. I would say Baltimore OJ, more, a bunch of times. Yeah. OJ Howard, Joe Mixon, and gosh, I'm trying to think of a third. Maybe the, uh, what was the defensive tackle's name that ended up at LSU? That was just insane, Josh. He kind of became like a kind of a legend in the camp scene. That ended up at LSU? Was it LSU that he ended up? Maybe an, I'm saying it wrong. Might be remembering wrong. But I would say O.J. Howard and Joe Mixon are up there as now far the, as two of the most impressive guys I've ever seen in this format. Who was the just ginormous white offensive lineman that went to Alabama? That was in the, I think it was the last time we were in Baltimore. I, I didn't go up to Baltimore, so I don't know. Like little something, little John, or oh, um, Jack yeah. something. Yeah, what the hell was that kid's? Name? I know who you're talking about, Carrie. Uh, Biggest human no, being I, I've still seen to, ever to this day. I was gonna say the. Um, it would be fitting if his name was Little John then. Um, but no, the guy um, that always sticks out to me, and especially for, I, I know you guys loved OJ Howard, and don't get me wrong, I did too. That he was unreal that day in Atlanta. Uh, the guy I loved was Jalen Smith, the kid that went yeah. to Notre Dame and ended up blowing up his oh, knee yeah. and that kind of, like. He was unbelievably good that day. Jamal Adams um, was really good in Chicago. Yeah. 
Let's see. Are you talking? Not no, no. You said white guy. Um, hmm. He would have been there with Waraboko. Okay, so like 2015-ish, somewhere in there. Hmm. Trying to go through their list here. Kid that ended up at Stanford last year was a pretty humongous human being. Kid that we saw uh, went to Episcopal. Uh, offensive tackle, Josh. Oh, Walker Little. Walker Little's a big kid. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and well, that it was, looks like every once in a while I go. I'm just like we're off on this. We're this rank. Everybody's lost their mind. This guy's not that good. He was kind of that guy in the class, and it looks like I may end up wildly wrong about him. So we'll, we'll, you know, it may be a deal where I'm alone to get you know crow thrown at me. So, all right. Well, I think we're gonna go ahead and wrap it up. Bob is on the call. Uh, I think he had to call his radio station. Uh, so uh, we'll get out of here. But like I said, next week. You know, maybe we can put something together. I don't want to make any promises, but don't expect the podcast next week with us all being in Atlanta. You think us all being together would make it easier to do a podcast? It's we don't have enough equipment for four unless people, something crazy happens. Yeah, if something crazy happens. We can maybe put together a two man crew, and I can just produce it or something. Uh, so we'll see what we can do. But once again, don't expect anything. So uh, this one will have to do. You. Glad that we got a chance to be at the Regents meeting yesterday. And kind of give you guys some down low, give you the down low on Joe Castiglione, kind of where he is on things. Uh, but thanks to Josh, thanks to Eddie, thanks to Bob. Uh, we'll see you guys again uh, in two weeks for sure, right back here on the Unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Podcasts from Soonerscoop.com.